Welcome to Seeking Context. On this episode, Justin sits down with Becky Steiger, a science teacher from Winona, Kansas, who is solely responsible for teaching seven different science classes every day of the school year. Stay tuned to hear about the challenges, rewards, and lessons learned in the world of teaching in a small town. Enjoy! Good afternoon, Winona, Kansas. Good afternoon, America. This is Justin at Seeking Context here today with Becky Steiger in the science room of the Winona Triplanes High School. And it's very good to meet you. We're going to find out about the life of a science teacher in small town America and how you make magic with a few kids. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so welcome to the show. Thanks so Thank much you. for taking the time to join us. Absolutely. And uh, I'd like to start out by just asking you, can you tell me about the Winona School District. It is unique even for me as a mm -hmm. person who comes from a class of uh, 45 students right. in Oakley, <laughs> which is kind of a metropolis. By it is. Comparison. It's huge compared to us. <laughs> so our school is preschool actually twice a week okay. through senior year. And we have uh, 68 students Across preschool through yeah. 12. Well, kindergarten through 12th grade. And we have 11 preschool kids. So <laughs> entire enrollment, yeah, we're at, what would that be, 79 students. But this preschool, you've got a baby boom going on. Oh, absolutely. We're looking <laughs> so. forward in a few years. <laughs> All right. Well, and that is not where you've always taught. No. Um, so uh, I'm curious, like, how, what is the experience for a teacher in a class of such small students, guys? You know, I, I really think my last 20 years before this was in preparation to come here, which might sound kind of funny because I think most people would think a small school would be easier to mm -hmm. teach in. Um, I taught the last 20 plus years in a school of 1800 in the high school only. That's uh, on the other end of the bell curve. Yeah. And, and, uh, Chose to come to Winona, um, knowing that it had small classes, knowing I wanted to end my career in a place that I could really make a difference, kind of be recharged um, back into why I started teaching. And you really get to know the students here, mm -hmm. which is a real blessing as a teacher. Um, you know, in the big schools, really students disappear, teachers kind of disappear. You can really get lost in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And here, uh, I mean, everybody knows if you have a sniffle. <laughs> and so, honestly, that's a great blessing to be in a place like that mm -hmm. and to be able to be part of that, that family because we are definitely family here. Wow, that is really cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so tell me about science. Uh, so I have taught science for 24 years. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a unicorn um, because I'm old enough that I'm certified to teach pretty much any science um, that there happens to be. And I also like most of the sciences. So many science teachers, they kind of go life science or they go mm -hmm. physical science. And I'm more of a hybrid. Uh, so my first degree is actually in wildlife biology. Um, and then I was also raised uh, on a farm. And then I additionally have an education degree. So currently here at Triplanes, I teach seventh grade life science, eighth grade physical science, ninth grade it's a combo earth and physical science, 10th grade biology, juniors chemistry and anatomy and physiology. Started a new class called agri-science this year that I co-teach with our ag teacher, Chris Kirk. 
And every other year I teach uh, advanced biology or physics, depending on what we need. Okay. So it's like you're back in college taking the maximum load. Right. Right. And how do you do the syllabus when you are, uh, I mean, you've only been here for a few years. This right? is only my second year here. So <laughs> honestly, um, all the years leading up to this really prepared me because I had to be able to handle big classes and lots of different things that I've taught. And I came to try planes and it's kind of like, wow. I haven't taught seventh grade since 1998. Um, I got to haul some of that old <laughs> science, you know, some of that basic science out of my brain. Mm -hmm. But, it's, you know, it's a great challenge. I'm that person that I like change. I like to constantly keep up with things. So it's, it's been good for me, too. Had you taught that breadth of uh, ages in your previous career? Uh, my very first job, I taught seventh grade through juniors. Um, at Syracuse, Kansas. I did that my very first year. And most of my career, 22 years, have been at the high school level. Okay. <laughs> wow. And were you here during COVID or had it, or were you mid-COVID? No, I was actually at my previous school. Okay. So I taught remotely from my home. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I actually set up a little camera and we still had class every day. And my students tuned in and had my own little show. <laughs> Um, I even made up, so we have these, these mannequins that are, are kind of these plastic sculptures that we, we add clay to. I made little baggies and I put them out on the curb and a kid would text me when they were going to come by and pick it up. <laughs> and so I made take home kind of labs and things that they could, they could really use. Was your class small enough that the online environment worked out there? Uh, I averaged 25 to 30 per student per class, excuse me. And those are different students. And those are different students. So I had around 100 students that I was teaching online. Okay. I never really thought of this, but how do you grade 100 students? So I used a, an online platform. And so a lot of it became project-based. Mm -hmm. And I took a tremendous amount of time of making everything in a, in a way that could be taught online and yet interactive. And I was really tired in May. <laughs> summer break was needed yes okay yes. well can you uh at a high level compare the experience let's say that a listener is out there thinking mm -hmm. maybe i should try a small school what are you getting yourself into when you make the you know you take that job offer from someplace mm -hmm. that sounds like you started out saying it seemed like a lower job on the career path but it's at the top of the hill for you you know when you look at lesson plans or you start thinking about how you're going to teach, most classroom lessons are set up to do, oh, break your students into small groups. Now discuss with your, with your teammate. Now discuss with the whole class. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, how many seating arrangements can you make with four? <laughs> hey, you two group today. Hey, trade partners. So in some ways, it's a real challenge because if you're wanting discussion and you're really wanting to get new ideas, sometimes they all have the same idea mm -hmm. and they all have very similar background experiences. So you don't always have that depth and breadth of options to, to choose from. So sometimes I have to supplement and I have to bring in, well, what if you did this or what if that, because they are more homogeneous in their approach mm -hmm. to thinking here. And so that's a challenge. And man, if somebody's sick and you only have three in class, 
do you go on? Do you not go on? I mean, it, it, it just has its own challenges. Right, because you're thinking of that one student, that's 25% of your student body right. that's missing out on content. Right. So there, there's choices that if one kid's gone out of 30, you're like, well, catch up tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so. And do whatever you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, I have maintained my online platform. So my students can go to Google Classroom and they can see what we do every day, whether they're here or not. And I did that in my big class. I did that in my small class. And that's something um, I maintained. I, it, to me, it doesn't matter how many students I have. I want them to be able to see what we're going to do ahead of time. If they're sick, they can go on there and get the, get the lesson. Right. But that's only the content. You're not recording yourself. No. There's not a video of class. No, I had to that. do that with COVID. Right. Oof. Yeah, videoing Unpleasant. my... Uh, I, I like to respond to my students. And so... Um, if you can't record student voices for privacy reasons, it makes it tough. Oh, our, you can't? Our district did not want us to have student voices on um, recordings. Well, I can see that being a big challenge in yeah. learning together. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to do asynchronous recordings, just me talking. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a decent lecturer, but... Right. Yeah, the dog got bored. Right. Well, so was uh, COVID and the, the difficulty in teaching and that experience, was that a factor in your decision to come back? Or what, what uh, caused you to make the change? Well, this isn't really back for you personally. No, it was a different school entirely. Um, COVID was eye-opening for me because I was able to really spend more time at home. I'm, I'm a workaholic. Um, and I don't do anything halfway. And so when I was at home trying to prepare all of these things that could really work well across um, electronic media, I remembered who Becky was and not just Mrs. Steiger because mm -hmm. I also had some time away from it. And I realized that I'd kind of lost me and had just become Mrs. Steiger. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, the opportunity arose to move actually back to Western Kansas to where my husband grew up, um, to one of our family farms. And frankly, I was kind of tired. I was tired of teaching. I was really tired of the bureaucracy that goes along with big schools. Mm -hmm. And our small school, it's like we went back in time in education, mm -hmm. except we still have technology. Back in time in a good way. In a good way, in a great way. We still have the family unit. We still have empathy. We still have kindness. We still have a lot of those values in our school mm -hmm. that I felt like I had I'd lost in my bigger environment. Do you feel like that the loss of those values happened over the course of your career, or is the size of a school that's so large just unable to have values like that? It has changed over the course of my career. It's just magnified at that big level. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess I would say both. Right. And for this school, I would imagine that just staying alive financially is probably a challenge. Um, do you have any uh, visibility as a teacher into what's necessary to keep a school open when small <laughs> schools tend to merge to, right. to have economies of scale? Um, so I'm lucky enough to get to be on our um, team of three. 
that is in charge of KISA, it's called, which is part of the state of Kansas way of accrediting schools. Mm-hmm. And so my job, along with the committee, is to really justify keeping our school accredited. And so if we're accredited, we get funding from the state. And that financial support is huge to us. So anything I can do to get publicity, honestly, mm-hmm. whether it's a podcast, whether it's an interview with the state, whether it's applying for a grant, anything that gets our name out there that says, hey, you know, Winona is what you're all missing. Tri Plains has that formula that the other schools are looking for. Right. And uh, you taught previously in Oakley, which is also a small school. Do you think that there are differences between the education in Oakley, Kansas and Winona, Kansas? Absolutely. And is that a, how would you uh, describe those? So uh, Oakley has a mid-sized environment really compared to us. They have more students. Yeah, for Kansas. (laughs) Um, They have more students. So they have more... uh, I guess you could you could say they have an easier time having more classes offered, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, we have faculty that, I mean, I teach seven hours a, of, or seven different classes a day. That's all I can fit in. And so <laughs> one of the challenges is how many courses can we offer? So if we want to get a student through a certain career field, can we offer what they need? And so that's a big challenge for us. I mean, just having enough faculty because we can't hire somebody else and justify an extra expense of a of mm-hmm. salary um, if they don't have a full schedule. So right. that's a big difference. Um, from the student perspective, I think we can tailor it to you. I mean, I added agri-science because we had a lot of kids that wanted to have an agricultural background. So I said, hey, I'm a science teacher. I grew up with ag. Um, I'll teach a science class that fits you. Wow. And so I have that luxury here. If I dream it up, they'll let me do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty nice. I guess. uh, Old school bell. We have old school bells (laughs) and uh, study halls over. Yes. Actually, school is letting out now. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, we're we're in the mix of it, but uh, you don't have anything last period. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, So for teachers that are here, it seems like. You can't rest on your laurels or like what happens when a teacher gets pregnant? I mean, how do you cover for somebody when, what if, what if you're gone for a day? How does a sub do seven classes? So my students are trained to look (laughs) at Google classroom. I put everything in there and they know they better look at the front lab table because that's where I've left it, but it's, it's a challenge. So we cover for each other. So Mm -hmm. there's times I might be teaching anatomy and I have the seventh graders in the back. Because mm-hmm. there was no one to cover that class. And so I put them onto something. And if they don't have something to work on, I know what they had in science. <laughs> so I'm that <laughs> jerk teacher that's like, hey, you didn't finish your science. Uh, so something like that. But there's a lot of times my planning period is really hosting students from a teacher who's absent. Right. Uh, we did have a, a teacher who was pregnant last spring. We were able to hire a retired teacher from the Mm -hmm. area to fill in but it was challenging right right so you wouldn't mind if the student body grew a bit so you could have more support from a larger teaching staff that would be all right if we had um you know the size of the school is one of our bonuses it's just one of our limitations as far as any school right now is really struggling with finding guests finding substitute guest teachers Mm -hmm. they just don't exist much less finding enough classroom teachers Right. 
what if I wanted to, let's say I'm a local citizen and I think, well, maybe I could teach a science class or mm -hmm. I could teach a social studies class. I'm just currently personally unaware of the process. Do I have to go out and get an education degree or can local citizens that want to help out, help out in a part-time capacity to teach one class a semester or something? So the state of Kansas has become much more open in the last two years because of our shortage of teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd have to have a background check run. And you also, if you, you have to have a, a high school diploma now, <laughs> is what they've reduced it to. And the district has to approve it for you to be a substitute teacher. Okay. Now, if you wanted to come teach a class, um, the school board would have to approve that as a plan. Mm -hmm. But as long as you have the background check, and it used to be if you have a, a um, associate's degree, then you would qualify. Now it's dropped down to high school diploma. Okay. So honestly, if somebody was an expert in the community and they were really interested in teaching a course, it would, it would be up to the school board um, to hire them and the state of Kansas to run the background check. Cool. So that yeah. is a possibility Absolutely. for addressing this sort of staffing shortage. Yes. I and then saw, maybe they'd fall in love with teaching. Yeah, I saw that. down in Garden City, there's a bank in town that is allowing their employees time off to go be a substitute teacher at the high school Wow! Um, for a day here and there to help out with the shortage. That's really cool. Yeah. Cool. It's well, we'll kind of a neat way to put a link to that on the site or yeah. something in the scroll. This episode of Seeking Context is brought to you by ReachTech. If you're a small business, nonprofit, or local government leader frustrated by the challenges of building websites, social media, and marketing in the digital age, let ReachTech help you clarify and simplify your digital world. Learn more at www.reachtech.org. Making tech simple so you can focus on your mission. Can you tell me about what drew you to teaching? Is this your first career? <laughs> so I never was going to be a teacher. Um, and actually, I tell students, I think that's why I've stayed. <laughs> so I was pre-med in my first years of, of college. And honestly, I was afraid of failing. Of failing the whole process to of become a doctor? Failing anything. In life? Yes, I had to be perfect. Okay. And so if I didn't try something out, then I wouldn't fail. Mm -hmm. So clever. Yeah. You know, that works, right? hundred <laughs> percent success if you never try. So honestly, I switched um, majors away from pre-med because I was afraid. I was afraid of the MCAT. I was afraid of failing. You know, I, I came from a moderately sized school myself. I'd always been the smart one, been the best. And then I went to K-State and, I, wow, there's other people and they're smarter, faster, bigger, brighter, at least in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I, I just, I don't think I measure up. So I switched and I went to wildlife biology. When I was ready to graduate from that, happened to be when the federal government made quite a few cuts to funding to states. Um, back then it was parks and wildlife programs, fisheries and biology programs. And I'm thinking, wow, I need a job. <laughs> so I wandered across campus, added a second major, um, and thought, well, I'll just teach for a little while, and then, you know, that'll just be for a while. Right. I haven't left yet. Uh, turned out I kind of like coaching, too. Mm -hmm. 
and the schedule's pretty pretty sweet. So um, I kind of had a knack for it, and I how, realized. How do you mean? What is sweet about the about the schedule of a teacher or of a coach? Oh, you still get Christmas break. You okay. still get spring break. <laughs> you get you get the kid breaks. Okay, so you're That's an adult true. with like a kid schedule. And now, you people, don't teach summers either, right? Well, people think we get summers off, so you do get some time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of work that goes on in the summer that um, is kind of behind the scenes, but you still get a lot of lot more time off than you normally would. Instead, we squish all our time into the basically ten months a year that we're in session. Right. So um, it's just shifted time not truly time off but Mm -hmm. it is nice to be able to have some of those days where you don't go into school right um but the schedule schedule worked well my husband's a teacher Mm -hmm. so we were parallel in that way and i liked coach and it turns out i think this is where i was meant to be it's where god placed me so i could really teach students you know it's okay to fail I tell them now, fail fail just means first attempt in learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're only a failure if you stay there. And so, really, I was put here to bring that message to my students. And I've had so many kids like me. I could see it in their eyes. And I said, you know what? You're going to need, you need to fail right now. You need to get over it and realize, don't let that stop you. Did you have a big failure that made you realize, I'm strong enough to go through mistakes? Uh, not a single one, not like a pivotal moment that yeah. really changed me. It was more of a coming around in a mindset as I matured and hopefully mm-hmm. gain wisdom as you get older right. and realized uh, that's why I changed. I didn't want to fail. I thought I had to be perfect and, and realizing, I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. I never actually had an answer for that in high school and early on in college. Because you succeeded the, at the high yeah. school curriculum. And I thought the sky would fall. <laughs> when you made one mistake. Yes, yes. A minus on that credit. Right. On that grade report. Mm-hmm. If I got a 98 out of 100, I dwelled on the two I missed. Right, right. If someone is thinking about going into the profession of teaching or looking at it, uh, what advice do you have for them to figure out if it might be a fit? You know, I, I'm not a typical teacher is how I say it. I I don't think I look and sound and do like teachers do. Um, I think you have to be authentic. Kids are very good readers of honesty. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are are a great audience to try things out. And they are honest as the day is long, which works well for me because I'm a pretty plain spoken person. Uh But if you're considering education as a career, I know the financial side everyone talks about um, isn't as high as other careers for your college education. But life isn't about the money. You'll have enough. This job is going to give back. It's going to feed your soul. It's going to to make you realize your shortcomings and help you grow as a person. Mm -hmm. And then you get to share that with all the next generation. You, You matter. So you would say that you have learned things from your students <laughs> every day. <laughs> Sometimes it's TikTok, but <laughs> um, honestly, it's helped me reflect on what's important to me, what's important to me as a person, as um, a person of faith. It reaffirms why I'm here. It helps me know um, humility. 
because you have to be on your game all the time. But I think too many people think you have to be perfect as in front of the classroom and as a teacher. You right. don't have to know all the answers. You just have to say, we don't know yet. You mean in terms of like what science understands about the universe or what they know about some the depth of a subject matter? Anything. They will ask you anything. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm saddened by things that I've been asked, um, situations that I've seen, things I've I've helped students work through, but at the same time, I'm, I feel honored to be able to be the one they come to. I mean, I, I had a girl, high school girl, and she came to me and her mom had been arrested. Dad wasn't in the picture. Stepdad was arrested. Um, she was in high school and she was coming to me because she was being asked about, um, well, there are four kids in her family and, child services couldn't place all four together. So she wanted to know, should she take the youngest one, which was 18 months with her? Should she take the five-year-old with her? Or should she take the seventh grader with her? Because she wasn't sure which one needed her the most. Biology and chemistry doesn't seem to matter when you come to that. She was 16. And you were the person that she looked to for, well, that'll give you meaning if nothing else. Yeah. So, you know, when people talk about what job they want to do the rest of their lives, this, this isn't a job. This is a lifestyle. It's a life choice. It's a pathway you get put on. Uh, you, you know, we talk about the periodic table or we talk about um, stars or biology, you know, whatever the topic of, of topic of the day is. But when it comes down to it, I'm in charge of building their, their self their self-image, building who they are, what their decisions are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they don't learn that at home, but all the hours that they're in my care and under my watch, that's my job. When you have students that, I know there's self-esteem problems, social media is really mm-hmm. a difficult uh, landscape that nobody in our generation experienced. No. Um, and the pharmaceutical drug problem is something uh-huh. nobody in our generation experienced I don't think how are you uh how are you making a connection with students and I guess maybe it's easier here yeah because you're so small were you able to make connections like that in a larger school how how can those teachers find a way to connect to get there with a generation that's experiencing something that we don't have first person experience with so I think as a teacher I have to be painfully honest with my students and totally transparent. So I don't sugarcoat. If they ask a question, I I have to answer them honestly to the best I can. I have to build relationships instantly. So day one, um, I have to care about you. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece, teachers that leave the profession. Um, a A lot of young teachers only stay three years now. If you make it to five, that's like a long career in education. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, But they miss that piece. They're teaching their curriculum. They didn't realize they're teaching people their curriculum. And once you realize that, you can't really leave. No. That's why I'm still here. (laughs) You're trapped. Yeah. I'm trapped in a good way. Right. Um, I feel like if I would leave, it's kind of like who's going to fill that void? Mm -hmm. What what about, do you have any thoughts for, for students? 
what if they don't have you? How can students, you know, take charge of their lives? They have to find their person. Mm-hmm. I, I hope everyone would find a person, and that's who they trust, whether it's um, someone older in their family, in their church, in their community. They need to find their person that they can be totally honest with, that they can trust with anything they think, feel, say, or need. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like a call to the rest of us people that aren't children anymore. Right. To look for who's doesn't have someone. It is. I mean, it, it's really hard in those big schools because my students here, they can't get away from me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm right there. It's like, how are you today? Um, in those big schools, there were kids that they could go through their whole day and have no one speak to them. Mm. And it's just, it's a sad scenario that we have, and especially post COVID, I noticed the mask um, was a security blanket in a way that you could hide behind it. You didn't have to interact. You didn't have to ask questions and nobody got in your space. Mm -hmm. And I think we've struggled coming out of that um, to really make those connections again. Right. Because they're intimate and they're personal and they feel sometimes too much for Mm. kids. It's hard. Well, and I guess if you started school, you were a kindergarten or first grader when COVID started, all of your education was in a mask. Right. Two years, those students didn't see their classmates. It was so odd for me when I went back after COVID the next year, we still had to wear masks the the school year after. And a kid might take their mask off just for a second to blow their nose or something. And I would go, wow, that's what they look like. (laughs) Cause my brain had filled in what I thought they looked like. Mm -hmm. And it was not the same. And I thought, wow, they don't know what I look like. Wow. And there's so much reading of facial gestures and, and expressions that goes on that you miss. Right. And I, I'm, I fear the little ones maybe haven't, it, they had to delay developing some of that. Right, because you don't even think about that a part of your childhood development. No. They were sort of taught to be fearful of anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about coming back or coming to a rural community where uh, your husband mm-hmm. is from here? Right. Did you get welcomed into the community? <laughs> because, man, small towns, can, we can kind of box out new right. people. So that's a beautiful thing about Winona is I never felt um, like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do joke with my principal, and he's our principal slash superintendent, <laughs> um, that we're the, we're the imports because we weren't born here. A lot of our teachers were. Um, but the two of you, you yeah, and the two of us are were not, imported. were the imports. Um, a lot of the other ones were very, very close in this area or they graduated from here. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but with that said, um, they're so welcoming and they were just so excited to have a science teacher mm-hmm. that brought in, um, a, just new experiences, new perspective. Right. So that's another plug for Winona, if you would like to take yes. a job here, they will be joyful. <laughs> they will bring you a casserole. They will welcome you with open arms. Right. I mean, and that's not a figurative. That's a literal no, casserole. No, I <laughs> literally bring you a lasagna if you need it. And if you're sick, they I'm not joking. They would come to your house, bring you anything you need. People will check up on you. Mm-hmm. We have a calendar with everyone's birth date, anniversary on it for the community. 
not just the school. Oh no, the whole community. Yes. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, we have a go fundra- Winona. We have a fundraiser that you can you can have your birthday put in it. So <laughs> it's kind of cool. That's really cool. Um, well, I think this episode is likely to air right close to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what you have to be thankful for? I don't know if your program's long enough. <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, edit it out. Just tell me what uh, what comes sort of you know bubbles up to the top of the list. I'm I'm thankful that I had all of the experiences up till now um, in my previous job because I was also close to K State. I was able to be part of a grant program um, that I traveled for uh, presentations, for trainings. I mean, I went to Washington, D.C. I presented in Philadelphia. I even got to go to Russia for two weeks. As um, part of your studies at K-State? Actually, I or was as part a of the grant teacher you representative for a grant that was with K-State. Wow. Um, you know, I, I've been all over the country, and I guess you could include part of the world, as my training ground for the, the science side. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that is second to my family, um, my family here at Winona, my students. Uh, I added up, oh, just a couple years ago, how many thousands of students I've had um, between teaching and coaching and the fact that if I could even have an impact on them just a little bit, I'm so thankful to be in that job. Mm-hmm. And that my job is really not a job, it's a lifestyle. Um, my family is wonderfully supportive. Um, the, just the, the fact that I can make a difference mm-hmm. during my time here on earth is, is something I'm wonderfully thankful for. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful place to stop. Great. Um, thank you. I'm mm-hmm. thankful that you are here in Winona making <laughs> magic with Absolutely. all of these young people. <laughs> And uh, that you took the time to talk to us today and uh, share tremendous amounts of context that I didn't know about uh, the world of teaching and the world of teaching in Winona and the difference that you can make in people's lives. I thank you for your time, too, Justin, and for coming here and letting us advertise our little oasis in education. (laughs) Go Winona. And when looking for a a little school to come to, we'll raise them from age three through graduation. Right here in this building. Absolutely. The classroom next door is preschool. Yes. <laughs> I, I hung up some coats this morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, that's Justin signing off from Winona, Kansas Thank with you. Becky Steiger, a science teacher extraordinaire. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>